0: Our church. Um, man, what a privilege it is to have a, a baptismal service this morning. Uh, many of you have prayed for Brian Smith. Brian Smith is the pastor um, from the western part of the state. He led a team uh, to the island of Solar a few weeks ago. Um, I look forward to sharing a little bit more about that. Uh, but Brian was able to lead several people to Christ on the island of Solar, and so we're very thankful for that. And I'm looking to plan a trip. I was looking to plan a trip in February, but apparently it's rainy and windy on the island of Solar in February. So we're going to push that back and look at trying to plan something in April. And so, but be praying for, for them. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, the island of Solar has no evangelical churches there, it's a largely Muslim church. Um, People group, in fact, is it's considered an unreached, unengaged people group, meaning that they're less than 2% evangelical. They were considered unengaged until people like us decided that we would do our very best to try to plant a church there. And so that's our goal, to try to plant a church that will, in turn, plant another church there. Um, had the opportunity to communicate this week with Dave Strobel. Dave Strobel's the pastor of the Journey Church in uh, outside of Toronto, Canada. Uh, We have a partnership there, and so uh, looking at planning another trip there next summer. And so just exciting things to be uh, in the life of our church and what's going on there. Now, if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 12 in just a moment. And so just kind of hang out there. I've said this every week. I'm going to say it again, and maybe, maybe you'll understand this. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish Christians that were under intense persecution. They were being enticed. Hey, life would be a lot easier for you if you would go back to your old way of life, if you would go to go back to your Jewish roots, and if you would, uh, you would do that, things would go a lot better for you. Your families would not be threatened. You would not have this ridicule. You would not have this persecution. It would just stop if you'll go back to your old way of life and quit being so fanatical about this man named Jesus. It's a book that is very applicable to us in our day and time. Because you see, if you pay attention to, uh, with any kind of intellect at all, and you, you pay attention to what's going on in our mainstream America, the gospel is very offensive to a lot of people. Uh, People are opposed to the message of the gospel, to the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, and people want to silence you and tell you that if you'll just keep quiet about your faith, you know, you can worship Him at church, you can worship Him in your home, but don't bring Jesus into the public arena. If you do, you'll be faced with ridicule, you'll be faced with some... You know, not necessarily persecution, but people will look at you funny. They'll talk about you and they'll tell you to be quiet. And if you don't want to face that, all you have to do is keep quiet about this man named Jesus. Now, here's the thing about the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus is greater than everything else. He begins Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus is greater than the angels, the, 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 the messengers of the Lord, the ones who helped give the law. Jesus is greater than that. Jesus is greater uh, than Moses. He, he, Hebrews chapter 3, Moses was, uh, if not the greatest figure in the Old Testament history, he's in the top two, okay? In other words, here's what he's saying. Everything about your old way of life, Jesus is greater than that. But then, sprinkled throughout the book of Hebrews is five warning passages. The very first one was Hebrews chapter 2, verse, verse 1. And therefore, we must give the more earnest heed. We must pay very careful attention to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Jesus is so great, but you've got to pay very close attention to your walk with Him. Because if you are not on your P's and Q's, if you aren't actively trying to pursue Him, then the tendency of every follower of Christ is that you will drift in your relationship with Christ. If you're not actively trying to grow in your relationship with Christ you're automatically falling further and further away from him. Then we come to this warning passage in chapter 3, verse 12. Now listen. Let me see all your eyes just for a second. See in the sound booth down here upstairs. If there's a passage and a sermon that you need to pay attention to to, uh, that I ever preach, this would be one you want to perk your ears up. This would be one that is so applicable to so many of us that we really need to pay attention. I mean, I, I sure you may be here this morning just because, you know, maybe, you know, it's just what you do, maybe somebody made you come. But man, if you care anything about else, if you care anything at all about who Jesus is and what he's done for you, this would be a sermon where you want to pay attention. Chapter three, verse twelve going to be on the screen but pay attention to the words take care beware it's a warning pay attention brothers lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living god take care it's a warning in other words he says guys i want you to pay very careful attention to this I want you to take heed. I want you to to beware to this. And he calls them brothers. They may or may not have had a relationship with Christ. It's it's kind of like this. I could look out across this room this morning, and I could say, hey, brothers and sisters. Now, I'm offering that as a blanket statement. I'm not saying that every single one of you is uh, is a follower of Christ. I'm just making a blanket statement. I think that's what the author is doing here. Take care, brothers. All of you who are even associated with the church, I'm writing this to you. Take care, brothers. Billy Graham once said that, Billy Graham believed that as much as 50% of the people that claim to be Christians are deceived. 50% of those who claim to be followers of Christ, is what he would say, are deceived. Take care. Pay attention, brothers. Lest there be in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart. The Greek word for the word evil, it's it's the word paneros. It's it's oftentimes it's 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 used to refer to Satan and his demons. It's 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 a terrible thing to be considered someone who has an evil paneros, unbelieving heart. Now this is where the context helps us pay attention. Context. It's it's the area that is right around the passage helps us understand what this idea of an unbelieving heart is because here's what some of you are saying to yourself right now. Well, preacher, that doesn't apply to me because I've got a believing heart. I believe that Jesus really is the Savior of the world. And so you would say, I don't have an evil unbelieving heart because I believe in my mind who Jesus is. Well, pay attention to the context of of what is written right before this. Now, right before this, you see a passage. If you some of your Bibles may, may look like mine. Here's, here's the passage right before. You see, you see it's, it looks a little different in, in your Bibles because it's a quotation. It, it's, it comes from Psalm 95. The author quotes Psalm 90, 95. He refers back to a time when the children of Israel had been delivered from Egypt, and now they are wandering in the desert. Now, here's what he says. Uh, some of this is going to be on the screen. I'm going to read uh, Hebrews 3 starting in verse 7. Here's what it said. Uh, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. If there was ever a generation of people that had saw the works of God in the Old Testament, it was though that generation that had been delivered from the nation of Israel. And they had seen the ten plagues come and go. They had been uh, just uh, on the hill or just ahead of Pharaoh as he pursued them. And they had seen the parting of the Red Sea. And they had seen deliverance firsthand in their life. But now they are on the cusp of the Promised Land, and they get ready to go in. And, and Moses sends out the spies into the Promised Land, and they come back, and all but two say, "Moses, we can't go in and conquer that Promised Land because we are like grasshoppers in the in the eyes of those giants over there." Only two said we could go in and take them with God on our side, Joshua and Caleb, and because of their uh, of their unbelieving heart, because of their Lack of faith in who God is and what He can do, they did not enter the Promised Land. They wandered for forty years into the wilderness. As they wandered in the wilderness, two different times, they began to complain. Many, many more times than two, but on two specific occasions, they began to complain. Man, God had been so good to them. He had led them by a pillar of cloud during the day. A, a pillar. A, a, a light, fire, at night time. His presence within the, was with them. He he rained bread down from heaven. And in the midst of all that, two different times they complained, Moses, what are you doing? You and God have uh, taken us out of Egypt and now you've put us into this promised land, or I mean, into this wilderness, and we're going to die out here. We need some water. God provided water, therefore. you remember this story? First time Moses struck the rock at the instructions of the Lord, water came out. The second time, Moses was supposed to speak to the rock, and he struck it twice. Water came out. Moses' disobedience there caused him not to enter into the promised land. Here's what I want you to grasp. Pay attention to this. And the author of Hebrews says, take care, beware, lest there be in any of you an an evil, unbelieving heart. He's referring back to these guys that have wandered in the wilderness. Don't be like them. You know what what their unbelieving heart was? It was not that they didn't believe in God. They believed in Him. They just didn't have faith that He could take care of them. God, you can't can't cause us to conquer those giants out there. And God, you can't provide water for us. Lord, you can't meet our needs every single day. Lord, it would have been better if you had just left us as slaves there in Egypt. You see, some of you in this room, you have a right belief about who God is. You believe that Jesus is exactly who He says He is. You believe that He died on a cross for your sins. You believe that He was buried and that He was resurrected three days. All of the stuff that you're supposed to believe in, you get right. But as far as you having faith that He could take care of you every single day, you're just like those wandering in the wilderness. You don't believe that He can do what He says that He that he will do. You don't believe his ways are right, so you do your own thing. And you know you can put whatever you want to right there. You don't believe in God's view on the church. You don't believe in God's view on tithing. You don't believe in God's view on sex. You don't believe in all of these things. And so what you do? You go out and you do your own thing. You have an evil heart of unbelief. You don't believe that God will do what he says he will do. And your unbelieving heart will lead you to fall away from the living God. It always happens. Why does it happen that way? We'll look in verse 13. At the end of the verse, it says that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. Sin never gives you what it promises you it will give you. I was laying on the couch Friday night. It was just one of those nights I just couldn't sleep. And so there was a football game on and I was was watching the football game. I don't even know who was playing at this point. But for some reason, I just kind of paid attention to the commercials. And maybe you guys have done this before. You know, commercials are designed to pique your interest on a certain thing, and it always looks better than it's what's actually delivered. Hey, man, you want to be popular? Man, you drive this new Mazda CX-9, and and you're going to look really good. Man, you want to really fit in? Man, get your Corona and find your beach somewhere. And everything, everything's going to be better if you'll just buy this or, or drink this. And you'll have this camaraderie with everybody else. But it never works out that way. It, sin is always deceiving you into thinking, if you just get this right, everything else will be better. It's a warning here in verse 12. It's a warning that we need to take heart because we are much more like the children of Israel than we like to admit but then here's here's what happens. In this chapter, then in chapter 4, then in, ch- in chapter 5, what we find are solutions. Real solutions. Okay, what can we do? What can we do if we really want to, to, to fight against this warning? If we really don't want to have an unbelieving heart, if we really want to strive to be like Jesus Christ, what can we do to fight against this? Now, you've got a little insert in your bulletin, and here's what you need to do. You don't need to just write it down. You need to put it to your heart. I mean, I'm dead serious, guys. These are things that this need to be a, a really a evident in your life. Here's the first thing. You must live within a community of believers. Now, notice what happens here in this text. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an un- evil unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away. Leave. It really speaks of... Leading you to show your true colors and that you never really had a relationship to begin with, and then verse thirteen. But there are two Greek words uh, that that someone could use when he wanted to use the word but if it was a casual conversation and he just wanted to, in a casual conversation um, you say but it, it was just a two letter word day d e day. But now, if, the, if the, the person really wanted to draw out an emphasis, if the person really wanted to put like an exclamation point on his point to draw a huge comparison, he would use the Greek word Allah, A-L-L-A. Here, it's, it's, that, it's that second word. It's the one he wants to really get your attention. He wants you to pay attention. Uh, there's this danger, but here's what you can do if you want to fight against that. Encourage one another every day exhort, encourage, pay attention here, as long as it is called today. So what are you talking about? Well, it's talking about you living within a community of believers because you see, you know, we're talking about the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. That's what you and I are doing. Have any of you reached your eternal destination yet? Have any of you reached the promised land yet? No. Our salvation may be kept secure in heaven, but while we're here on earth, Satan is the ruler. Of the, he's the prince of the power of this era. We're in the wilderness. We're on a journey. This is not our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're on a journey where we're going somewhere. And while we're here, we're going to face troubles like they did in the wilderness. And so how can we fight against that Well, we live within a community of believers? Now, here's, here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about us going to church. I'm not saying, oh, man, I'm a member of a church. You could go to church. You can have your name on a church roll. That don't mean you're a community. I'm not talking about joining a Sunday school class, and I talk about that all the time, because you you can be a member of a Sunday school class. You can go to Sunday school every Sunday, but if you never get involved, you never share your 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 heart, and you never get open and vulnerable and real with that group of people. You're, you're not living in a community. You're just going to a Bible study. I'm talking about having people in your life that have the freedom to speak truth into your life. And you are willing to be vulnerable and transparent with them in your life. Community happens. Now listen to this. Community, authentic community happens when you share your hurts. It happens when you share your struggles. It happens when you share your victories. And if you're not willing to share those things, you know what happens? You're an easy target for Satan. You're setting yourself up to fall away from the Father if you don't live in community. Diedrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, he said, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the the more disastrous is his isolation. We have to live in community, authentic community. And when we do, we use that community to encourage one another. And here's what the book of Hebrews reminds us. There there are really two avenues of encouragement. Remember, there's five warning passages in the book of Hebrews. You know what those warning passages are? They're something designed to hit you in the gut, to do a spiritual checkup. I mean, really. You ever have people like that in your life? I mean... They just know you so well, and they look at you and say, the path that you're going down, it's a path you don't want to go. It, it's, it's people who have the right to speak truth into your life, even if you don't want to hear it. Uh, that's, that's, that's one way the book of Hebrews is encouraging us. It, it speaks truth to us that we really have to take a step back and, and do a spiritual examination on our hearts. Now, here's the problem with that. We live in a world where the most famous verse that everybody knows, that everybody memorizes, that everybody quotes is what? No, no, it used to be John three sixteen. That's not it anymore. You know what everybody quotes these days? Huh? Somebody say it. Don't judge me. That's what everybody knows these days. It's the most, it's the most often quoted verse in our culture. And because we live in this culture that says, don't judge me, even though Jesus said that we are to judge with righteous judgment, nobody wants to enter into a community of believers where they have the right to speak truth in our lives. But if you don't have that kind of community in your life, I'm telling you, set yourself up for failure. But then the second thing in the book of Hebrews, it teaches us that encouragement we need from, from others is the great promises of who Jesus is, what he's done for us. And we like that one much more than we like the other one, But we must recognize we've got to have both if true community is going to happen. And the result will be that the encouragement we have and love we get from community will break through the deception of sin. I realize what time it is very quickly. Number two, you must take your concerns to Jesus. Now, chapter 4, we looked at it last week. It's this idea of the rest that God provides. You see it all the way to the end of verse 13. But then uh, chapter 4, verse 14 It speaks of Jesus being our great high priest. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Why? Because we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He was tempted in every respect, just like we have, but he remained sinless. So therefore, verse 16, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need, so what do you do when you face with a difficult thing? What do you do when your world is falling apart? What do you do when when you just don't know what tomorrow is going to hold? Man, you've got a great high priest who lives to make intercession for you, and you can't just go tell this person or that person about it. The greatest thing that you can do is get on your knees before your great high priest and draw close with confidence to the throne of grace that you can find mercy and grace to help in your time of need. Number three, you must hold tightly to the gospel. And so you start talking about Jesus being this great high priest in chapter 4. It carries over to verse 5. But then notice what happens in verse 7. Speaking of Jesus being this great high priest in the order of this guy by the name of Melchizedek, it says, In the days of his flesh, speaking of Jesus, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications, listen to this, with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And so let me ask you a question. At what point in the life of Jesus did he offer up uh, prayers to the Father with loud cries and tears? It was right before the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane and then on the cross. It's speaking of this time when, when Jesus gave his life on our behalf. When he died for us. It's, I don't understand it, guys. I told our Sunday school classes this morning, we live in an entitled entitled generation where we think everybody owes us something. And for some reason, that is carried over to a spiritual realm where we we see people now that, that you think you're entitled for God to love you. You think you're entitled that Jesus would die for you. We're not entitled it is sheer because of the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ that he died for us. We didn't deserve that. You don't deserve that. It's mercy and it's grace. And it's free to us. Man. It's what happens when your life is falling apart. We don't depend upon the gospel just to save us. We depend upon the gospel every single day of our life. When our world is falling apart, we have nothing else to fall to, to hang on to. When our family has deserted us, we hold closely to the one who will never leave us and He will never forsake us. You've got to hold on to Him in those times. Have you ever been to the beach, and you you, you see a a family, and, and they've got a, a young child. I, I've done this with both Joshua's man and Asher's not not quite there yet. And you get to the beach, and man, the waves are just rolling in. And when they're about a little over two, right at three years old, they get up to the, those, those waves start coming in. And, and you watch them little children while well, they start running away, right? If they don't run away, you know what's going to happen. That wave's just going to knock them down, right? And then sometimes, you know what happens? Those little children would just put their little precious arms up at mom and daddy. Hold them. Hold them. And they crawl up into the arms of mommy and daddy, and you know, you know what happens? They're safe. Uh, those waves aren't going to knock over those precious children. I know it's a silly illustration, but it proves the point exactly. You are the little children before the waves of the storms that are coming into your life. You can't run. Running is disobedience. You can't just turn away and go back to the ways of the world. That's what what this whole passage is about. You cannot go back to your old ways of life. That's an evil, unbelieving heart. You can't go back to the, your old situation. You can't run. But if you stand there all by yourself, you're going to get saved. to It's going to knock you over. It's going to come over you. If you're not careful, it's going to drag you out. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to have a community of believers that, that you can hold on to, that you can help. That, that can help you in the midst of that. Or you can run safely to the arms of your Heavenly Father. And you can crawl up into His arms, and you can let Him hold you. And it don't matter how big of a wave comes, when you're in Daddy's arms, you're going to be okay. It's not going to consume you might get wet, might be uncomfortable, but you'll get through it. Why don't you do this? Just bow your heads and just close your eyes and Wesley, if you and your team, just go ahead and get on up here. Let me ask you just two questions simply today. Are you actively following Jesus today? Hey, now listen to what I've asked. I'm not asking if you said a prayer when you were a child. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm asking if you're actively following Jesus today. Or are you staggering? You're living in this area of unbelief that that you want to do things your way instead of His way. If you want to do it your way, man, that says something about your relationship with Christ. And it points, listen, it shows, it's showing you this morning, this morning is showing you that you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You don't need to just play church, you don't just need to come. You need to surrender your life to Him. And here's my second question. Are you living within a community of believers? This is a huge deal. You can't sit there this morning and just say, Hey, preacher, I'm just going to take my problems to Jesus. I'm just going to just pray to Him. Hey, you need to do that, but you need to do that within the context of a community of people that are going to love you and pray for you. Jesus' primary method of ministering to you is the church. That's why He gave us each other. You don't have to live in isolation. So if you're here... Say, preacher, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Listen, in just a moment. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. Here's what I do. I invite you to do. Just when we stand to sing, would you just get up from where you are? And just come and say, preacher, today I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And secondly, if you're here this morning, you say, preacher, I'm not. I don't live within community. Here's what I ask you to do. You don't live within community, but you say today, Preacher, I want to live within community. I'm going to ask you that you would come, and it won't be anything drastic, but I'd like to know, just by you coming and saying, Preacher, today, I want to live in community. And what I could do is I could pair you up with people that will share their life with you and you share your life with me. Lord, today, in Jesus' name, would you move mightily during this invitation? Lord, do it for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand and the words be on the screen.